You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. We are entering the summertime, which means severe lack of content around here. Some would argue that's when we're at our very best. It forces us to come up with player hater comps as well as calorie spike names. However, it means not a whole lot of Hornets content at the local farmer's market. A block fire. (laughs) An overview of what you can expect the next couple of weeks, though. Bobby Marks wrote his offseason preview for the Hornets. I was bad and did not get any audio from him after I had a chance to chat with him this morning on the wake-up call. I'll try to get some of that audio tomorrow, but we will play um, some of that tomorrow, and we'll talk about his piece today. We'll start player evaluations next week. Going to try to survive this week. We'll have a fire Friday. I don't know if not is going to come in tomorrow, by the way, or Friday, but he will be in one day this week. This is breaking news. This is breaking news to Doug. Nada was talking that he might want to do the show tomorrow instead of Friday. Not exactly sure, but we can expect Oh, he least. just suddenly just marches in all of a sudden and says, oh, I, I get to pick when I do the show now? Yeah. I'll, I'll let you two have that conversation. So oh we'll start boy. the player evals next week. That'll probably take us probably through about three weeks. You know, the the way that Borrego played everybody under contract, that'll probably last us three weeks. Usually we'd go to about top 10, top 11, but Borrego played a lot of guys. So there's probably a few more players to discuss. And then after that, we'll focus a lot more on the NBA draft and some of the prospects that you can expect to maybe be in consideration for the Charlotte Hornets with the 12th best odds after they won the lottery before the lottery. So good job from the Hornets on doing absolutely nothing and actually having some luck go in a positive way. Sometimes you have to sit still and things will happen in your life. And that's what the Hornets did. They sat still. But first, we have a disparaging clip from Blackish that I would like to play for you about the lack of value of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's that clip from Blackish. Last week, we missed the burger pop up because you had to watch Devontae. Dad had Clipper tickets. Against Charlotte. He needed a night. So do we. Oh, (laughs) brutal. Come on, Blackish. So you think that the punchline is Clippers tickets, and then it takes it down a another level with them playing the Hornets, that that takes so much little value of your time, that it's the Clippers playing the Hornets. Clipper tickets. Against Charlotte. <laughs> he needed a night. So do Ouch. The disparaging, the disparaging comments. See, this Blackish. is what happens when you get the All-Star weekend, is that the city itself becomes a little bit more relevant for a moment and so yeah these guys are writing these television shows and they're like i i need an nba team give me another nba team outside of los angeles charlotte's hosting all okay great charlotte so they're who are they the bulls they're relevant enough to remind you that they're not relevant and so when people discuss who are the most irrelevant teams it's not the names that pop up in your head immediately because those are the teams. It's the teams that don't pop up in your head, and therefore Charlotte was that team. So we'll take that as well, a compliment. Kimba's never doing blackish, I'll tell you that No, much. he's not. He's not going to appear on any sort of role. He's not going to have a cameo. So let's talk about Kimba Walker's free agency and Bobby Marks' piece that he just wrote on ESPN. You can find that uh, if you have a ESPN Plus account. He wrote it on every single team. I think he's going to be coming out with those for quite a while, but he did bring out Charlotte pretty quickly as far as all the teams that he's taken a dive into. So first, of course, Kimba Walker's free agency. Let's look at that. Kimba Walker's quote on the jump. When asked, what do they have to do to keep him this summer? Because it's been the biggest topic of the Charlotte Hornets all season long. Kimba to Rachel Nichols and company said, quote, they know, they know what they got to do. That's not my job. I'll leave it up to those guys. 
But how about that? They know. They know what they got to do. And it was funny at that time, and we were just as guilty of this as anybody, everybody trying to code what that meant. What did Kimba mean when he said Mitch Kupchak and company, they know what they got to do? Oh, it means they have to make a trade at the deadline. Oh, it means that they have to come with the max or the super max and nothing else less than that. Oh, it means that they have to get rid of player X or player Y. It was fun to try to break that down out of such a vague statement. But at the end of the day, we don't really know what Mitch Kupchak and Kimba Walker have talked about that what means most to Kimba. We would think it means reevaluating the roster and trying to make some moves. But it was fun to try to code that, and we couldn't do it because it is so damn vague. And we'll see exactly if they've done enough to keep Kimba, but I can't say that they have. They've done nothing. I think it means that Kimba Walker takes step-back jumpers and Mitch Kupchak works the phones. Like Kimba doesn't need to work the phones. He's not going to recruit you know, star talent to this team. That's the general That's the general manager's job. That's the front office's job. Kupchak Kimba's, doesn't have to take step-back jumpers in order to keep Kimba? No. No, that's not his job. I didn't know. Okay, they know what they have to do. They got to get this team uh, better. I mean, that's what Kimba Walker wants to play on a good team. He wants to make the playoffs. This is a competitor. They know what they got to do. So Kimba Walker has a decision that'll come in July whether he wants to play here. A hundred and eighty-nine million dollar contract is what will be offered to Kimba if the Hornets or any other team offer him a max contract. And if the Hornets have Kimba Walker make an All NBA selection then that can increase to $221 million if Walker does indeed make probably that third All-NBA team spot. So the Hornets would have that eligibility. We can discuss whether they would or not. That's a different discussion. But that could be a possibility here. And so now Charlotte has 11 other players under contract for next season. We all know about Jeremy Lamb, and we'll get to him in a minute as well. So for Charlotte, to present any kind of case to Walker... Management will have to sell him under Bobby Mark's piece right here. They'll have to sell him on how the roster can be built beyond just 2019 and 2020. Right. Starting in 2020, 2021, Charlotte will have $45 million in salary come off of the books. But that means just kind of another wasted year of Kimba. I don't know if that's the right word, but it seems like it's pretty close considering he's just getting older as a point guard that is going to go to battle with the same exact roster that didn't make the playoffs this season. Because look, Kimba has all the control in these negotiations. He can go play for Dallas if they re-sign, uh, if they re-sign KP. They've got Luka. Like, they could have a long-term plan. Charlotte would have to sell Kimba that they have a long-term plan. It's not like LeBron James going to Los Angeles. LeBron James going to L.A. is the long-term plan, and LeBron has shown the ability to recruit talent to teams. Kimba may not even want to do that, may not have the ability to do that here in Charlotte, bring guys. I mean, the biggest guy that, that he was able to really convince to come to Charlotte is Big Al Jefferson. Doug, you asked a question before we came into the studio on how sure – Kimba Walker actually gets a max contract out there on the open market and whether the Charlotte Hornets would even offer him a max contract, let alone super max that he could be eligible for, but just a max contract. And my question back to you is, what do we think an offensive offer to Kimba Walker would be? At what point do you get below, I guess, the $32 million annually that he would be getting in order to get a max contract? What would be an offensive offer to Kimba where... He's like, hell no, I'm not coming back to the Charlotte Hornets. And also, uh, I guess you're you're not entirely sure that another team offers him that type level of contract out there, even besides Charlotte, if they decide to do it. 
No, I'm not. I don't think that there are any guarantees uh, when it comes to salaries for players. I think we've been surprised plenty of times before when we thought certain players were going to get max deals. This isn't another 2016 repeat where a ton of teams are going to have money, and when there are more teams and less supply, there's more demand and less supply, then and, you know players end up getting paid. Uh, but for Kimball Walker, I mean, he's had uh, an injury history in the past, and he hasn't really, you know, shown an ability to carry an entire team to the playoffs or a playoff series victory. And Walker, he's a small point guard. And I think, you know, if you study the league, there is a stigma against small point guards. And I wonder if we're all just sort of assuming that he's going to get a max deal or a super max deal from from the Charlotte Hornets. And not stopping to think, wait a minute, is is that really what the demand will be on the market? I think Kimball Walker gets his max contract. I think Kimball Walker is somebody that might be a plan B to some teams. I think he'll be a plan A for a lot of teams. I think Dallas is one of those teams that we constantly reference. Dallas is going to go after Kimball Walker, as reported by Rick Bennell. So if Dallas is able to lock up a Kimball Walker for a max contract, take care of Chris Stapps Porzingis. Remember, they got off a lot of money in sending DeAndre Jordan to New York, sending Wesley Matthews in that contract to New York. So they got off a lot of money in order to try to get a couple of max slots. So let's say the New York Knicks get a Kevin Durant, but they don't get a Kyrie Irving, or they just don't get one or the other, just whatever star, you know, probably more Kyrie because he plays point guard. Is Kimball Walker going to be a plan B? Is there another team that considers Kimba Walker to be a plan B and they feel so much pressure that you're like, you know what? Kimba Walker's a three-time All-Star. He flirted with an All-NBA selection last season. Maybe he got it. We're just, we just can't offer him the Supermax contract. I think he gets it. I think another team is paranoid out there enough to where he gets it. So pre-2016, there was this real idea that you don't give a max contract to a player that isn't superstar level that isn't top 10 level NBA player those are the guys that get the max contracts and then the TV money came and all of a sudden that idea got warped because there were all kinds of players that we wouldn't have never thought well, it got, got shattered not even warped it got shattered right yeah, that wasn't even close right and I think we're still in that mindset and we haven't adjusted to the fact that the market has adjusted and and I think that teams are going to be more wary of giving anyone a max contract and I just think we're assuming that Kimba's going to get that because we are I think we're emotionally invested in in Kimba we think Kimba deserves it right because Kimba got underpaid he's been he's been living under this ridiculous contract where he's you know the the seventh eighth uh, most uh, uh, making the seventh eighth most money on a team where he's clearly the best player and you know, so but but just because he deserves something doesn't mean the market's going to give it to him. Oh, I'm not saying that Kimball Walker. I'm not saying that there's going to be any type of logic with some of these guys making the decisions. I think it's very fair to question whether Kimball Walker is worth a max contract when you're talking about four or five years down the road. I think that there's still enough players that passed 2016. We all remember that summer because it affected the Charlotte Hornets so much. And I get what you're saying, but 
what I'm saying is that I don't think it's been so warped to the point where you're not giving that type of contract to a three-time All-Star. Maybe nobody's giving a Nick Batum-type player $26 million anymore, but people are still going to be giving out $30 million to a three-time All-Star. Even at the age that Kimba Walker is, they're still going to be willing to give that kind of money out. And we can go to a John Wall who, yes, is younger than Kimba. It's a bad contract. We're not arguing if it's a good or bad contract because we can agree it might just be bad. But teams are still willing to send out the dough to some of those players because they're so desperate to have some of those stars on the team. I could see a small market team that's desperate to take that next step. And Doug, I'll tell you, we go back to last year. I don't think that there was any team that was a Kemba Walker away. You know, there wasn't a Kemba Walker away from getting to the NBA Finals and losing to the Golden State Warriors, which was essentially what you were competing for last season. This year, I think it's a different case. So now you have some real hope with Golden State losing Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson. If they don't, the luxury tax is going to be huge. I understand that they are going to have a new arena that might counteract some of the luxury tax issues that you have. But I don't think Kevin Durant's going to stay there. And it'll be interesting to see how they approach this Klay Thompson free agency. So Golden State's certainly more vulnerable. You're also going to have Utah. I think they're a Kimball Walker away from at least contending for an NBA final spot or at least contending for a Western Conference finals uh, spot enough to get to a championship. Indiana. Does Kimball Walker going to Indiana make Indiana that Victor Oladipo, Miles Turner, Kimball Walker trio with some with some really smart role players? How much does that make them contend? There are teams that are a Kimball Walker away from contending at least for an Eastern Conference finals or Western Conference Finals. And I don't think you could say that the last couple of years. So Dallas maxed out Wesley Matthews back in the day. They ended up, I think, regretting that. Sure. And I think teams remember that the Memphis Grizzlies maxed Marcus All, Mike Connolly, and Chandler Parsons. You're operating at a level that you think GMs are smart and they learn from their lessons. And I'm operating at a level that has proved true and true again that GMs are not smart. And I'm not even saying... And look, you're bringing up... You're bringing up some good points about players that are on bad contracts. Washington Auto Porter. So this, what this is turning into, this is just turning into who are the worst contracts out there? That's what this is turning into. I don't think that you would consider Kimball Walker, at least in the first couple of years, as some of the worst contracts. But teams will do that in order to win right now. Chris Paul, better than Kimball Walker. That's just how it is. We get it. But also had the injury concerns. Also an older basketball player than what Kimba Walker is. And Daryl Morey found an opportunity where, you know what, we're here to win right now, even with Golden State in prime form. Hell, give him everything that he possibly wants. Washington, John Wall had the injury concerns. Of course, they got screwed after the injury occurred where it's going to keep him out a year and a half. But they decided, you know what, John Wall, here's everything. Take all of our money. And that was after. That was post-2016. Kimba Walker, I think, can get that money post-2016. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, continuing to discuss what Bobby Marks had to write for the ESPN article that he put out there. We'll play some audio again tomorrow, and we'll get to some player evals next week. We've got a little bit of, uh, I think, some lottery picks up next. Is that right, Doug? Want to talk about yeah, let's do it. some of the guys that might be there at the Charlotte Hornets position and some other things that we've seen written up. It's the LOH podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Now that we have this question, I got I, I feel like I need to ask this. Mm-hmm. Are y'all sweet potato pie folks or you pumpkin pie folks? Pumpkin pie folks. Sweet potato folk. Pumpkin pie. Sweet yeah. potato. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
We've broken down exactly what we're going to get to over the next couple of weeks, but something that takes precedent over every single thing we could possibly break down on this show, it's the incredibly exciting life of our very own Cody Zeller. We've got some tweets about how his offseason have started. Doug, what kind of tweets do you got for us? It appears Cody Zeller is uh, taking a trip back home to see the old parents. Good old Washington, Indiana. And he is. Uh, it appears he's live tweeting it, or at least he sent out a few tweets in the past couple of hours. So here we go. <laughs> some updates from Cody Zeller visiting the Zeller clan, the fam. The Zeller clan fam. I'm finally home for the first time in two years. My dad greeted me in the kitchen this morning and said... There's 50 bags of mulch being delivered today, and the lawn needs mowed. Welcome home. (laughs) Hashtag welcome home. Come on, guys. Seriously, not home in two years, and you make me do chores just like home used to be. Hey, you're just a regular guy when you walk in this door. Hey, they're not going to show me any special treatment. Oh, I play in the NBA. Big whoop. No, no training room here either. You got to just walk on that injury you're dealing with. Spread the mulch. I don't care about any injury you got. All right, next tweet. The family video in Washington is still open and thriving. I jokingly asked my parents if Redbox and Netflix hadn't made it to town yet. My dad said, quote, our cable company doesn't even offer the Netflix channel. (laughs) Oh, those good old Washington Indianians. They're not up dad, with the 21st century. Come on, century. Dad. Oh, that was dad jokes. Netflix isn't a channel on cable. Dad Zeller. Real quickly, there is a family video that I know of in Indianapolis that it, it's completely vacant. I don't know if you wanted to restart the show. Do you just want to start doing that? or is No, that... I'm just my. I'm just so can, shaken can... up by those tweets <laughs> that my finger's getting twitchy and hitting wrong buttons. We need to go for the hat trick tomorrow. See if we can play that open again three days consecutively. There is a family video that's completely vacant, and I don't know why they haven't done anything with it, but there's one in Indianapolis, and I know exactly what store he's talking about. Is family video all over the place, or is that Wait just something central? you know central? exactly which one? I, if, if it's in Indianapolis, sure. I, I mean, I know he's from Washington, Indiana, which is I'm sure there are terribly. multiple family videos, and it's a chain. Have you ever, I mean, how many family videos are there? Because there wasn't one in Charlotte, was there? I mean, were there family videos in Charlotte? Yeah, we have a few. Fa- well, there was one in Gastonia, for sure. I'm sure there are... Well, I don't know if there was any more, I guess, at this point is what I'm saying. Like, I'm sure that it was a chain enough that it was popular back in the day. I just know that there's a vacant one that I saw last time I was in Indiana and thought the same thing. Same thing that Cody Zeller, because we're both extremely exciting in our offseason time. Well, they have 7,000 employees. I don't know how that translates to number of stores, but I'm I'm still... All right. Starting my research here. I but there apologize. are a lot of family videos. I apologize. I guess I need to give a little bit more love to family video. I, I was expressing it like Blackish did Charlotte. I thought it was irrelevant. I guess it's not as irrelevant. Well, as they are the sole surviving video rental chain in the United States as of 2016. I think the reason Cody Zeller is tweeting about this is because there is some Twitter action on the last blockbuster in Oregon. I think Oliver Maroney visited it, uh, NBA writer. But there's been a lot of talk about the last blockbuster. So people, you know, they love the novelty of the video store. And of course, they passed on purchasing Netflix, which was a massive failure on their part. And it put them out of business. And so I'm sure a lot of people are paying attention to that. That took a little bit longer than I thought, but it was important that we broke that down for you. The Hornets have the 12th best odds to score the number one pick in the lottery. Keep your hopes up. Until the lottery, we won't know exactly where that pick is, but we can talk about a few of the options at 12. And according to mock drafts all around the interwebs, the 12th best player available, according to ESPN's draft experts, 
is Brandon Clark, Doug, power forward for Gonzaga. About 6'8", 6'9", somebody that was an excellent shot blocker this past season. I know a lot of people are pretty – I think he's kind of polarizing as an NBA prospect because it is somebody that defends the rim fairly well, but it's not somebody that necessarily is a shooter. And it is – it's a player that defensively you would expect to be somewhat versatile in the front court. You know, I don't know exactly what his lateral speed is, guarding guys that can go out there on the perimeter. But Brandon Clark is your smaller – rim protector and I don't know if that's somebody that I'm really trying to spend the 12th overall selection on it might come to be the best available slot there with everybody gone but Brandon Clark doesn't exactly wow me I loved him in college so fun I don't know how his game translates to the NBA immediately well I think he didn't he start the season pretty much overshadowed by Dachimura and then he sort of took yes. a more of a lead dog role with that team. I mean, he grew this season for sure. Well, I think Hachimura and Brandon Clark both are polarizing guys. And so Brandon Clark transferring to Gonzaga, this was his only year that he played at Gonzaga. You look at his blocks per game, it's 3.1. And the dude, like I said, he's only 6'8", 215, as listed by College Basketball Reference when you look at that. So, you, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not exactly... Uh, the tallest dude in the world that's protecting the rim. And that's one of the best things that he did in college. Now, I'm sure that he can block some shots in the NBA, but you got to think that gets a lot harder. He averaged eight and a half rebounds, and he only took four tenths of a three pointer <laughs> in college per game. And that equaled out to about 26% from three. You take that a step back, it's non existent. So, Brandon Clark, to me, when you list him with some other guys, I would hope some other guys are there before I would take a Brandon Clark. You go down the list. Bull Bowl is is interesting as well. Bull Bowl, I think, has some injury history, and this is before we're really diving into some film that we can watch this offseason. But Bull Bowl is somebody that is very injured. Uh, he didn't play really at all this season. There was a couple games at the beginning of the year where he had some pretty enticing highlights. I remember this one crazy fadeaway three pointer that he had, and he stands where it's not bowl, it's not Manute Bowl's height, but I think seven two, seven three, something seven like two, that, yeah. with the agility, crazy agility, and has a touch. It's just people question his motor, people question his injury history. Big red flags for me. I hate drafting guys in the first round with motor issues. I'm fine with it because I star, think star power. Well, here's the thing: I think when you're drafting at 12, if the Hornets decide, if they end up at 12 and they decide to keep that pick, I think you have to swing for the fences. Uh, you went, you went a little safe with Miles Bridges, and and I think it's going to work out for you. But he has a ceiling. I think Miles Bridges probably going to be an exciting player, but ultimately a third, fourth option role player on a, on a good team is is where I think he maxes out. But a guy like Bull Bull is. And just physically, I mean, he's trending where the league is trending, right? The sort of, uh, you know, monster physical specs, but can also shoot now. And I mean, I think that's what the Hornets need to look for are those sort of advantages that you can get by having these physical freaks on your team. Jackson Hayes would be my favorite from the three front court guys listed here. Jackson Hayes averaged 10 points last uh, last year. He had uh, a very good freshman season in the Big 12. You look at him, he averaged five rebounds, which isn't a ton, but it is an athletic 6'11", 220-pound dude. So he's right in the middle height-wise between Bol Bol and a Brandon Clark. I just think the athleticism is enticing enough. The youth of Jackson Hayes for me certainly compared to Brandon Clark who did transfer from San Jose State Jackson Hayes is a guy that I am starting to like as I start to get a little bit more familiar with the film and watch what he was able to do with the Longhorns last year by the way shout out sports despair on Twitter for uh 
putting that audio that we played earlier on Twitter, the blackish audio. Yeah, it was impressive. And it was important, I should say, to us. It wasn't so impressive for the Charlotte Hornets. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with plenty more here. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook? <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas, they got Nas. I, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get, P. Yeah, I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car, and more and more of you do now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say, play Locked On Hornets and make drive time LOH time. I'm reading this Bobby Marks thing uh, that you that you sent, we talked about in the first segment. And at the very end, they do extension candidates. And I thought this was interesting. Charlotte has seven players that will be extension eligible. Nick Batum. Biz, who took his, is expected to take his extension. Marvin Williams, who's, who's expected to take his. Kid Gilchrist, Zeller, starting October 1st. Hernan Gomez and Bacon. The Hornets are, he's, Bobby Mark says, the Hornets are expected to pass on each of the seven players. I think it's interesting for two reasons. Number one, I don't think they'll pass on Bacon, given the opportunity, right? I mean, Well, I, before, so what they can do is they can make his $1.6 million contract guaranteed. And then they can play that, and then it would be an extension after that. So I wonder if Bobby Marks is putting this as, do you work on an extension prior to when the contract is actually up oh, for some yeah, of these no. guys? Then you wouldn't do that for Bacon. But yeah. uh, the second interesting thing is, I mean, all of those players that are that are extension eligible, some of them have control over the situation, like Biz, MKG, and Marvin Williams. But the the fact that, that Bobby Marks would say they're expected to pass on each of these players is just a recognition <laughs> that the so old true. era is is done. It's so bad, we right? So, and, we, and we spent so long uh, cheering for these guys and wanting this whole experiment to succeed. We wanted the best. And it just didn't. And it just didn't happen. And he's right about that. He's so right about that, by the way. Even if we were to go off the example in which you thought it was previously, Doug, even if we were going to say at the end of all of their contracts that you would look to extend some of those guys, it's not crazy to say that they would pass on all seven. Dwayne Bacon would be a little bit weird. That's the one promising guy that you have going forward. But all six of the other ones that, nah, we're not going to extend them. That says a lot to me, especially when they're all, none of them are crazy old. Uh, Marvin Williams is one of the older ones, but MKG, if that worked out, you would be looking to extend him or at least thinking about it. It's pretty clear that you're not looking to extend those guys, at least first and foremost, when you for, when you look at the contracts. I really wonder if the Hornets are going to be a case study in the future for front offices around the country about, <laughs> and not not only in... The Hornets, not 2016. Only, not only in basketball, but I think in other, other franchises and other sports as well, a, a case study about giving players good contracts but giving too many players good contracts and sort of boxing yourself in and not giving yourself those years when guys come off the books and you can you can have a little bit of flexibility in your roster so let's look at some dates that kind of coincide with what we're talking about charlotte has until august 1st to guarantee Dwayne bacon's 1.6 million dollar contract so you're certainly going to go off of that 1.6 mil contract for next season because of how cap stricken that you actually are you look at 
Billy Hernan Gomez. That's somebody that they uh, will look to guarantee his contract by June 28th. So his $1.6 million contract becomes guaranteed, if not waived, by June 28th. Looking at Tony Parker, Tony Parker has not only provided um, a veteran presence in the locker room, as Bobby Mark says, but he's also been one of the best backup point guards in the NBA. And when he's played, that's certainly been true. Charlotte has until July 4th to guarantee his $5.25 million team. And that's going to be up to Tony Parker. That's not going to be up to Charlotte, because if Charlotte extends him and Tony Parker doesn't want to come back, then he'll just retire. So a couple of other things. You mentioned uh, Marvin Williams, MKG, and some of those guys not getting extended, but they have the player options that they'll certainly pick up. We already saw Bismack Biombo pick up his player option. One more thing I want to get to today, Doug, before we end it, is he talks about Frank Kaminsky. He says Charlotte is unlikely to make the forward a four point five million dollar qualifying offer before the June 30th deadline. Would you use the word unlikely? Because to me, it's kind of 50 50 after the way he performed at the end of the season. It's 50-50, but I wonder if Bobby Marks is really factoring in the financial realities Which that, he is. that Charlotte finds itself in. And I, I think if you're Charlotte, look, Frank Kaminsky's not going to help you make the play. I think you have, to, you have to ask yourself this as a franchise. Will this player help me make the playoffs now or really sometime in the near future? If the answer to that question is no, then... They, if the answer's no, then they got to go. No, I hear you. Hey, that rhymed. I think we mentioned that when we were discussing Frank Kaminsky's impressive play. It was that, hey, you make him the qualifying offer, possibly. In any you other don't season. fight for him. Well, no, in any other season. And, I, you know, if, if the Hornets had made the playoffs comfortably, if they were sitting at the sixth seed right now, if they're Orlando, then I think, yeah, you look at that and go, okay, we got to kind of keep this momentum going, keep a guy like Frank who was hot at the end of the year. But that that's not the situation that the Hornets are going to find themselves in. And I'll tell you something else. When you're in the financial situation that the Charlotte Hornets are in, and you are really on the verge of a tectonic shift in the way you, you think about your team, some decisions taken on their own are going to seem irrational, but that's just the situation that you find yourself in. It's going to look, I'm just telling people that there things are going to happen this summer that are, are going to be a, a little crazy and a little nuts compared to what we've dealt with for so long because it's been so consistent. All right, thanks for listening to Lockdown Hornets here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branton LOH. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, the Himalaya Podcast app, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked on Hornets. We'll be back with a little bit more about that Bobby Marks article. A lot of stuff to get to there, just breaking down the finances of the payroll about the Hornets next season. And also, we'll have Nada either in tomorrow or Friday, whatever day it is. Whenever he wants to come in, I guess. It's going to be fire, whatever day it is. Stick around with us here tomorrow and on a Friday to finish out the week. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast.